We're all on the spars, but <laughs> we're not. We're not one bit happy. That's uh, us on this boat from our not one bit happy. For immediate reaction from around the grounds, catch League of Ireland late night every Friday, 10 p.m. on Twitter Spaces. Follow at Off the Ball. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. I'm delighted to say Jess McFadden is with us to talk to us about the Formula One carnival as it continues on. Jess, good morning to you. How are you getting on? Hi, yeah, very, uh, very well. You caught me just before I'm actually... So, <laughs> apologies. Shane, you far away there. <laughs> He's lost his earphones, Jess, so we can't hear you, but uh, but I can hear you loud and clear. Um, <laughs> okay, hi. Jess, good morning. Uh, I suppose we we need to, to to bookend Monaco and look ahead to, to Baku this morning. But um, the talk is Sergio Perez. Everyone is talking mm. about Sergio Perez. It was all Max Verstappen, and now all of a sudden, Red. Wow, the Gremlins are with us this morning. He was he was going to ask about Sergio Perez there, Jess. T- tell us about um, what's going on with him at the moment and and why this uh, bubbling up has happened. Yeah, I mean, the past two races for Sergio Perez can't have really been any more different. Um, Monaco, he's coming off the back of a of a win, um, which is amazing. It's going to have pumped him full of confidence and actually put him way up there in the title fight for this year, up there with Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen. Um, and we're going into a track that he has had a lot of success in. Um, he's got one win there, but he's also appeared on the podium quite a number of times as well. He's probably... Uh, when it comes down to it, one of the most successful drivers around Baku, actually, um, which when you look at podium finishes and, and where he's come, uh, it's a race that delivers a lot of unexpected results. Um, so I think he's going to be going into this weekend feeling feeling pretty good about his his chances um, and I guess has put to bed a few of the, the maybe the rumours and rumblings that Red Bull weren't going to let him win. Um whether or not I'm ready to put that to bed yet, we'll have to see how Baku plays out because I think Red Bull are really going to want to use the momentum that they've got so far to make sure that Ferrari can't come anywhere close to them. Uh, Charles is obviously still leading the championship as we go into Baku, but um, Red Bull do feel like they've got the momentum and they've got two race-winning drivers this year. It's 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 funny because Christian Horner, uh, you know, rewarded Perez with a new contract, but even before that, uh, well, they agreed, I think, before that Monaco win last weekend, Jess, but when you look at the title race now, like you mentioned, Charles Leclerc at the top of it at the minute, but you can't rule out Verstappen. It's hard to rule out Perez, and even Carlos Sainz is there. Like, is this? I'm touching wood as I say this because more in hope than anything else. But are we looking at a three or four horse race in the Formula One uh, Drivers Championship? It would be nice, wouldn't it? Um, it would definitely be good going into the last stage of the season with uh, a bit more of a kind of 2012 esque uh, situation where anyone could win it. Um, whether or not we're going to get there, I'm not sure. There, there's a lot at stake. And when there's a lot at stake, the teams tend to kind of double down on their prize horse, really. So whether or not we get we are allowed to get into much of the season where we'll see it get closer, I'm not, I'm not too sure. But based on kind of knowing the two teams, Red Bull is Max Verstappen's team. And I think Ferrari... Carlos Sainz has had a kind of rocky start. He had a good finish, obviously, in Monaco uh, with his P2 finish, which is great, but he's still yet to produce race-winning results. So we'll have to see. It's early. It's still early doors, right? I don't want to kind of put any doom and gloom or negativity on the season too early, but you know, we're starting to get into that period where summer break's not too far away. You know, we've had, Ferrari have had 
positions where they've they've made mistakes and they've thrown away a lot of points. So they're going to want to double down on how do we win this championship. Um, and, and so we might see more of that whole like team orders situation playing out. Um, and I do think that if you're looking at the two teams, Charles Leclerc is Ferrari's boy and Max Verstappen is definitely Red Bulls. Like when you look at when you look at race strategy, Jess, that that, that is something that that kind of comes to the fore because a lot of people, you know, who maybe are, are a bit part Formula One fans will look at look at a team like Red Bull and say, "Oh, this is great for Red Bull. They've got they've got two drivers competing in Verstappen and Perez," but that brings with it complications as well in terms of race strategy. You know, if you've you've two drivers very close in in one and two towards the end of a race and. The driver in second looks to be gaining on, on on the on the leader. There are decisions to be made there from a race strategy perspective. I don't know what what did you make of the the comments from from Max's father, Jos Verstappen, um, in the wake of of Max's third place finish in Monaco. I mean, clearly pointedly uh, criticizing and critiquing the, the the Red Bull team strategy. Obviously, he's going to be out there and bat for his son, but uh, quite extraordinary for for Jos to be uh, critiquing his son's uh, his son's team and the, and the strategy like that. Are we surprised? I don't know. I mean, it's it's <laughs> kind not. of it's. I I don't. I didn't. I wasn't surprised. I mean, I was surprised that maybe they made it so public, um, and how eloquently he wrote the the complaint to Red Bull. I mean, not that's not to take anything from Yossi. He's a very intelligent man, obviously, but it was it was it was odd um, in terms of like you say, you, you kind of in we don't have any time for internal squabblings. Like this season is as hot as last season. And we can't, teams can't afford any internal squabblings. Um, but we know how pushy the Verstappens are. There's a reason why Max Verstappen has been number one driver there and has had the struggles of who their teammate is. It's very, very much politically, it's very skewed towards the Verstappens. So maybe that's just a reminder, you know, a little warning shot from, from Jos there to say, look, this is all well and good, but you're backing my boy. And that's that. I think that's kind of where that was coming from. Um, whether or not Red Bull will take that to heart, um, we'll have to we'll have to see. I mean, you, you hope that there's not going to be any major political moves. I've got, there's, you know, it's a strategy game, right? Formula One. You need to put your pawns where you're going to bring home the highest level result you can. And and actually having a really good number two is so important for these teams. It can be the difference between winning or losing both championships. So they're going to want a strong driver in Sergio Perez to support Max Verstappen if that's their, their kind of positioning. Um, so it is important to keep Sergio motivated because if he becomes demotivated this early in the season, um, then you, you're going to start suffering because one versus two when it comes to kind of charging out at the front can can mean a much trickier race, even if you have the fastest car, the fastest package for that circuit. Not having backup, not having a wingman. I've just gone to see the new Top Gun film, so I've probably got that in my head. But not having a wingman <laughs> is 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 makes you vulnerable. So you need to have that balance. It is a team sport, um, even if you know the individuals are the ones that tend to shine. Uh, give us a quick review of the movie. There, any good? Loved it. Uh, really, really enjoyed it. I mean, it was proper throwback nostalgia stuff. But um, I was, I was, I came out with a big smile on my face. So I would definitely encourage people to go see it. The um, the Tiger parenting of the, the Verstappens is uh, just a little interesting um, tangent if we could get into it for a second here. Sure. Uh, he's still very young, like he's still only 24. So there's there's two decades or like 15 more years of him being at the top of Formula One if he wants it, right? Like that was obviously always the plan when they decided that they were going to um, turn their son into the machine that he is. 
hundred percent. I mean, I don't envy sons or daughters of Formula One drivers. Um, I think that must be quite a tricky place to be. I mean, we, you've got Mick Schumacher who has had something very similar and, and the, the world puts a different kind of magnifying glass over you when you have a name that went before you. It's, it's kind of quite daunting. Obviously, Max is already quite successful and he's young and he's got plenty of seasons in front of him. So, yeah, I think it it, it was always the game plan, I think. And, and Max had such a a roller coaster career in terms of his trajectory has been in- incredible. It's been exponential. He jumped from Formula Three to Formula One, which is just still unheard of. Um, to make a, that jump from such a junior series into Formula One, and there was a lot of criticism about that at the time. You know, is he ready? Clearly, he was, um, uh, and he's got the results. But yeah, I don't, I don't think maybe I would be tough enough to have that kind of pressure um which is why i'm sat here talking about it rather than uh racing cars um but yeah it's, it's an interesting dynamic um because it's one that i've also compared to lewis hamilton's upbringing you know jos verstappen and anthony hamilton probably couldn't have two more different um paternal styles um anthony is very uh, encouraging and um more kind of tactile in his approach he's very support like you know, you get that kind of emotional feeling and you see that in Lewis's style and his approach. He can be quite an emotional feeling driver, whereas Max is cold and calculated, um, as is Jos. So you get those kinds of mirroring. You can see that that impact on their driving style, which is, I'm sure there should be studies on it in terms of like how that, you know, what is the better um, kind of route? I mean, you've got the uh, you know, Richard Williams and the, and the Williams sisters. It's kind of a very similar kind of, um kind of maybe a, a, a something to follow there as well but yeah it can't be it can't be easy being Max Verstappen but he's had a lot of success based on it uh, was his dad any good as a driver because he, he didn't have a lot of success but that doesn't necessarily mean he might just not have been in good cars was he considered I, I don't remember him being kind of talked about as somebody who was being done out of a, a good car but maybe he was a brilliant driver just never got the opportunities he definitely had his moments. Um, it was a, obviously a completely different era of racing when uh, when Jos was was racing. Um, but yeah, I think again, like so much of being a Formula One driver and your successes is is so much of it is talent, yes, but so much of it is luck in terms of what team you end up racing for, how competitive they end up being, and also who else are you driving against. Because it's the same thing that was talked about with Valtteri Bottas being Lewis Hamilton's teammate kind of makes you pale into insignificance in comparison to the stellar driver and record holder that Lewis Hamilton is. So, you know, had Lewis Hamilton never come in, would we be talking about Valtteri Bottas as an amazing driver? Um, it's, it's, it's so much of it is to do with, with, with luck and who you end up getting pipped against. Um, and, you know, Yoss's era was also a very competitive era. So... Yeah, I think you, to be a Formula One driver full stop, you have to be an incredible driver. So um, I think that's, you know, as much as we look at drivers' performances and, you know, it's our jobs to critique or to make comment on them, Twenty, the 20 drivers that we've got on the grid, they still have to have their, their absolute skill for, for driving an F1 car in the first place. So, yeah, I think people would never say that he was an unsuccessful driver, but um, compared to Max's championship winning season and his his absolute ream of podium finishes race wins he's actually now um thanks to monaco he's now 
equal on Red Bull's most successful driver. And when you think that Sebastian Vettel was a four-time champion with Red Bull and Max has already equaled him on um, success and he's still got so much to go, that kind of shows you about where Max is, really. Uh, Jess, if we, if we uh, touch focus or move focus over to, to Mercedes uh, just for the moment, um, and, and I'm looking ahead to Baku and, and this, this street circuit at the weekend, and, and Mercedes traditionally, I, I guess, in, in, in this, this year have maybe struggled around the, the slow corners, and, and it's, it's a track that they might potentially struggle at. But start of the year, when George Russell came on board at Mercedes, you're thinking, right, this is, this is a proper rival for Lewis Hamilton. This is someone who's going to push him on to more world titles. And really, it hasn't quite yet materialised in that fashion. Like, Russell, I think, is the only driver on the grid to have achieved points in every race. He's probably the most consistent. You know, he's been third, fourth, fifth, there, thereabouts in every race. Mm-hmm. Um, like, is, is Russell's consistency highlighting a, a per Lewis Hamilton this season? Or, or how do you see it? <laughs> how funny. You know, a year ago, Lewis and Max were fighting for the championship and, and this year we're already kind of writing off Lewis Hamilton. I, I, I don't buy it for one second. Um, I don't think it changes that much. We we can't discount Lewis Hamilton um, from anything, I don't think. Um, I think what we're seeing, and this, this still needs to be confirmed by Mercedes, but from, from what we've heard and what I think... Um, and this could be completely wrong, so don't hold me to it. This is not uh, verified, but I would not be surprised if Mercedes was using Lewis Hamilton's experience and skill to run a more experimental setup. We've seen already in races, they have been running different setups on those two cars. And I think what what, what Mercedes is probably doing is using Lewis Hamilton to um, get to the bottom of their issues because they have big issues uh, and, and letting George find his confidence and just focus on racing. So, you know, when we're looking at points, yes, there's a massive discrepancy now between um, George and and Lewis. But I think that that is a tactical approach from Mercedes to in order to get to the bottom of their issues with their with their current setup. It's it's a very um, experimental um, philosophy that they've gone with the cars today. I mean, obviously, when we saw that they had no side pods, everyone was like, what the hell is going on? Like, why? How, how have you brought a F1 car with no side pods? Um, and obviously, they've been suffering the most probably with the porpoising effect of the bouncing. Um, and that has obviously um, led to them not really having clean weekends and, and, and kind of not competing at the front like we're used to seeing them. Um, but I don't think I think George is a phenomenal racer. I think he's shown that. And so it's not to discount his his consistency, as you say, top five finishes in every race, only driver to do that. It's 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 very impressive. Um, but I don't think we can all of a sudden say Lewis has lost it. I, that's just that's just unfair. Um, and just it doesn't happen like that. Like you don't all of a sudden overnight lose your ability or lose your um, kind of you know, seven time world champion. That doesn't just disappear overnight. But a lot of it is down to the machinery in Formula One. We know that. Um, so yeah, I don't think I think it's the scoreboard isn't reflecting what is going on in terms of the skills of those drivers. I think there's a lot more going on behind the scenes, and the other teams have already said that they're quite worried about Mercedes making a comeback. They are Mercedes. Um, they they know what they're doing. So I think as soon as they tie it all together, we'll see both drivers um, racing for for podium finishes, if not wins. Can I just pick up on something you said there, Jess, and attach it to, to another driver? Like, you don't lose your, your talent overnight. 
Um, like if we just touch on Daniel Ricardo as someone who with McLaren hasn't quite reached the heights expected of him. Um, I know he's been kind of under the shadow in in, in some regards to of uh, Lando Norris. But I almost think of, of of writer's block as you know you know Ricardo is a driver we know that has the talent. He's just at the minute struggling to get it out there on the page. Like, is he someone who if if he doesn't buck up quick? I know it's it, is it four races now in a row without points for him. We know he's a marketable driver. We've all seen you know the uh, the interviews with him and the character that he brings to the sport. And um, but. If he doesn't buck up with McLaren this season, can you see him moving to someone else next season? I look, I look at a team like maybe, you know, if, say for example, Sebastian Vettel was to hypothetically leave Aston Martin. That might be a nice fit for for Daniel Ricciardo. Do you see Ricciardo as someone whose whose time at at McLaren is running out? And if so, where could you see him heading next season, hypothetically speaking? That's a that's a million dollar question, really, <laughs> um, or multi million dollar question, depending on what kind of a deal he can get. But. Ash- He's running out of options massively. Um, and the biggest thing for for Daniel that he's always said is that as much as there's criticism being thrown at him and his ability, his criticism is also with, well, come on, guys. Um, you know I'm a good driver. He's a race winner. He was extremely successful with Red Bull. It was, again, that whole um, dichotomy of, of, of Red Bull becoming Max Verstappen's team that made him want to leave. Um, and so then he had to find other other teams to join and he had to kind of put his money on a midfield team that was going to improve. And if you were going to do that, then you obviously went to Renault, now Alpine, um, uh, in his first switch, which was a massive shock to everybody. Um, I remember, I still remember the announcement coming out and being like, what on earth is going on here? But it's because he was, he was hoping that Renault being a manufacturer would invest enough to bring a competitive car and that kind of never really materialized so then he took his chances and moved to McLaren another again I would say that was a smart move but as we kind of touched on with 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 Lewis in Formula One it's you have to have that perfect balance of car and driver in order to get the results that you need and as we've seen when you when you are comparing teammates some drivers take to their cars a lot easier than others. Um, and if you are the lead driver, the team tends to build the car around that driver or will will push for setups and um, uh, uh, that will suit that driving style. And so if you don't have that driving style and you haven't got the ability to adapt your driving style to the car, your results are going to suffer. But it's, it's, it's a balance, right? It's a team sport. It's not star drivers just going out there and showing off there's so many people behind the scenes that make have to make formula one work and i think to your question where is he going to go there aren't really many more places he can um and and i think he will definitely not want to be a team that is you know chasing a singular point that's that's not what he wants and that's not where he sees himself but there are only 20 seats on the grid and as you say like with when you're not pulling in the performances, when you're not showing, you know, you lick the stamp and send it movements that we know Ricardo for, your your value, your market value dips. So, you know, will the team want Ricardo? It's 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 actually quite a scary thing to think that he could have, he might come to the end of his tenure. I'm sure. I really hope that that's not the case. I hope that either McLaren give him a little more time. He's meant to have a contract for next year with McLaren, um, but for the first time. Just before Monaco, we had Zach Brown coming out and saying, you know, there are clauses to his contract that work for him. 
and some that don't in terms of there needs to be performance clauses that mean if you don't bring the results then we can terminate this contract early i don't see mclaren doing that um they don't really have anybody waiting in the wings to bring in the one pawn that i'm really interested to know where they're going to go next year um is pierre gasly because with sergio perez signing his contract and him being a red bull driver him he's kind of stuck at alpha towery so I don't know how many more seasons he's going to want to do that. He's mm. going to be sniffing around and wanting other places. Maybe McLaren would be somewhere that he would look to. Um, we're just going to have to see. But yeah, Ricardo is a massive question mark this year. All right, Jess, we'll leave it there and we'll um, come back to those question marks at some point in the near future. Great to have you with us again. Thanks a million. It was brilliant. Thanks. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar.